0: everyone, welcome to the fifth episode of Kamusta Mare. My name is Rochelle, a member of Napisev Philippine team and currently engaged in research about the sex trade and tourism here in Angeles City.
1: And I'm Emma, I'm also with Napisev Philippines, focusing my work on women workers in the south of Luzon.
2: And I'm Mira Youssef, NAPICEF staff, who is based in the United States. Quick information about NAPICEF, or the National Asian and Pacific Islanders Ending Sexual Violence. We are a U.S.-based organization, and our mission is to end sexual violence in the Asian and Pacific Islander communities and to build healthy communities through transformative justice and social change. Last year, we started the Bersama Sama project in the Philippines, Indonesia, and Guam in order for immigrant refugee settler communities from Asia and the Pacific to connect to their home countries. By building this relationship, communities will be able to both reconnect with traditional cultural practices and share movement building strategies. Kumusta Kumare is Bersama Sama Philippines team podcast and a way for our team to discuss issues facing women and girls in the Philippines.
0: This is the second part of our discussion on ending rape culture in the Philippines. At our last episode we discussed in detail and dispelled the different rape myths, which, even to this day, are still largely accepted as truths by a lot of folks and institutions here in the Philippines and around the world. This time, we will talk about what exactly is rape culture, its roots, and how women, throughout our history, persistently and fiercely struggle to overcome it. But first, let's talk about rape culture.
1: Okay, what is rape culture? Rape culture? Rape culture is a setting in which rape is pervasive and normalized due to societal attitudes about gender and sexuality. Many societal, institutional, and individual actions support sexual violence and inhibit survivors from telling. We call this rape culture. Behaviors commonly associated with rape culture include victim blaming, sexual objectification, trivializing rape, denial of widespread rape, refusing to acknowledge the harm caused by some forms of sexual violence or some combination of these. Emma and Rochelle, what does
2: rape culture look like in the Philippines? And can you provide examples of societal, institutional, and individual actions that support sexual violence and inhibit survivors
1: from telling? Rape in Sweden is the highest in Europe. Reported cases are increasing. The government said it is continually expanding the definition of rape and the way they are recording rape cases because they want all cases of rape and sexual assault to be reported. Here in the Philippines, we have what we call the Maria Clara Doctrine, which says that women would not admit that they have been abused unless the abuse had actually happened. It was from a Supreme Court ruling in 1960. But, you know, I have mixed feelings about this doctrine because it seems to tie rape or sexual assault with the honor of a woman as how it is perceived by the uh, society. I also came across uh, Beatrice Torre, an associate professor of the Department of Psychology in UP. She said that rape culture can be rooted in the just word fallacy or hypothesis This just world hypothesis, or the belief in a just world pattern, refers to the tendency of people to blame victims of misfortunes for their own fate. Kasalanan niya. Meaning, all the unfortunate events happening to a person is related to their competence, virtue, or lack thereof. And if someone who's never done anything wrong would suffer a horrible thing, such as rape, it is very contradicting to this belief. Because it means that it could happen to anyone or to you and that could not be because, well, you know better. And then, that's where the victim blaming comes in. Sadly, victim blaming is more prevalent on rape because of the narrative that men are the sexual aggressors and women are the gatekeepers, basically saying that it is totally acceptable that men are incapable of restraint. She also said that there are several shades of victim blaming such as You ask for it. It did not happen in the case of marital rape. Or rape is a deviant event, so you should avoid it. Last year, if you've heard of SPARK, it is a women's organization here in the Philippines. It went around campuses and other public places where they showed clothes the women were wearing when they were raped. I think this initiative is called Don't Tell Me How to Dress.
2: Rape culture definitely exists in all cultures and continues to be supported by beliefs and practices. And can we just kind of note that rape culture is one of the manifestations of patriarchy and that most of the time, women perpetuate and support rape culture and patriarchy. But I am wondering if rape culture existed in pre-colonial Philippines since one of the goals of Napisev's work is to locate traditional healing and liberatory practices that is indigenous to our culture, to end rape culture, and also in providing healing services to victims-survivors of sexual violence.
1: Yes, Mira, actually, if we study our history very closely and use the feminist lens in studying uh, our history, we will find out that a rapeless society existed here in the Philippines. So it is possible, but for those who insist that we are living in the future and that this is the future, for those who refuse to let go of their greed, and for those who viciously preserve the status quo that warrants their existence and exploitation, a rapeless society is a utopia. You can dream, you can aspire, and you can talk about it all you want, but it will never happen. But for those people who tirelessly and selflessly seek justice, a rapeless society is like a horizon for the seawary. The mere concept of it invigors us, a, a place and the future we all want to be in or raise our children in. Social scientists say that if we want to change the future, we should have a firm grasp of the uniting opposites of the past that gave birth to our present. And I'm sure we all heard our lawless say that those who fail to look back where they came from will never reach their destination. So why don't we go back to our nation's history before it was written and interpreted by those who benefit from it at the expense of the many? When did this horrible crime start? Is there? A thing called rape, before the Spanish came to the Philippines. Morning. Rape came alongside with the concept of private property in the society. Long before private property, there was no rape and there's no prostitution. Before the concept of private property... Everything is communalized and the production and reproduction are socialized. The value of fruits and berries for nourishment is the same as the value of meat for energy. The value of pots for storage is the same as the value of spears and arrows for hunting. Bringing back animals after days of tireless hunting for food is as vital as carrying a child for nine months because this will both ensure the survival of the tribe. Thus, the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, is very true in this prehistoric context. Before private property, before the concept of marriage, we have a society in which ancestral descent is traced through maternal lines instead of paternal lines. This is so because reproduction is a socialized activity and therefore matrilineal tracing is the most accurate way to determine who your ancestors were. This eventually changed when some tribes became slaves of another and when people learned how to farm and domesticate animals. The time when private property emerged in the society. The time when the free woman became a private property who answers to her master's whims and orders. Not only women became properties. With them, their previous vital roles in the society were also relegated to a lower status. Women were then prohibited to leave their homes for fear of their husband or father that they will be snatched by another man. Uh, By the way, do you know that the etymology of the word rape is the Latin word rapere, which means to snatch, grab, or carry off? So, if we want to study rape in the realm of culture and the whole superstructure which mirrors the political and economic conditions of a particular society, we must veer away from the moral view of rape because that is the only objective way to understand the politics behind it. That is, rape is about control and power. And when we talk about politics, we cannot not look at who holds the economic power, who owns the means of production. In the Philippine Context the so-called rape society existed during the time of the Babaulans. So, let's talk about the Babayelands, devoid of any mysticism. Okay, so, Babayelands were women and trans women who were held in high esteem because of their abilities to predict the weather, which is very important then in agriculture and travel. They were herb lore experts and were able to create remedies, antidotes, and potions from various roots and seeds, and therefore can heal the sick or the wounded. They can ensure a safe pregnancy and childbirth. They were fertility doctors, the same way that they can also terminate pregnancy. Babaylans were also the chroniclers of their time. The triumphs and tribulations of her people were echoed and immortalized in her chants, songs, and incantations. She was an expert theoretician who, by her deep connection with nature, can interpret the different social and natural phenomena and points where to redirect its course. Babaylans are the protectors of the domain. Therefore, they were the revered peacekeepers and the feared environmental warriors. According to um, Encarnacion Alzona, she, along with four other women, wrote the uh, book, The Filipino Woman. Uh, Filipino women enjoy the same status of men before the Spaniards came. They can choose who they want to marry. They can divorce the husband. They can choose to have a child or not. They say that pre-Spanish colonial Philippines is neither matriarchal nor patriarchal. Both men and women enjoy the same rights and privileges and hold equal powers in their respective fields. Some feminists call it indigenous feminism that existed long, long way before the suffragettes in the West fought for women's right to vote. The babaylan was one glaring proof of the powerful and central role that women played in society in that time, which saw its end when the Spaniards arrived. When the Spaniards first came to the Philippines in their imperial quest for gold, slaves, and new territories, they met the strong resistance from the natives. They came back after a few decades with the same agenda but with a different tactic. They saw that the only way to colonize and pacify the islanders is to break the harmony between the yin and the yang in the islands. The yin and the yang is the balance between the datu who acts as the caretaker of the land and the babaylan, who protects the domain. This balance was destroyed with the use of the cross, which represents uh, the religion that they brought here to the island, and of course, the spade. Uh, which represents uh, the violence that they used to pacify the uh, natives in the Philippine Islands. Some Datus, even with the strong objection of the Babaylans, were enticed and hoodwinked by the promise of more power and land they could ever imagine. They succumbed to the colonial power and the Western god. The Babaylans, knowing that the destruction the Westerners brought with them, then found themselves at the front line of the battle. They rallied the people to fight tooth and nail against the colonizers. The peacemaker led men and women, young and old alike, and waged epic wars to preserve peace. The conquistadores were in deep shock and awe of the power wielded by these native women. They saw this power as a major threat to their subjugation of the natives. They launched a full-scale, all-fronts attack against the Babaylan and everything associated with them. The Spanish friars relentlessly pursued the destruction of all the grounds and things held sacred by the natives. The defiant Babaylans were hunted down, dragged, and defiled. Many of them burned at stake. Those who were not killed were forced by the Spaniards to abandon their ritual practices or use Catholic images and rituals instead. Some were driven to the mountains where they were branded as witches or mangkukulang. The rape and fall of the Babylans from being one of the most powerful figures in pre-colonial Philippines to one who was feared and despised, represent the drastic changes in the course of our society that overwhelmed and deeply traumatized the pre-colonial Filipino society. The silencing and decimation of the Babaylans to near obscurity paved the way for the desecration of our land and people. Aside from the Western god, the Spaniards also brought with them the Western notion of women as property and the Western concept of mother and wife. Both roles of being a mother and a wife were subject to male domination which were entirely different to what was indigenous to them. Both roles were tied to being an object and property, either being a vehicle to ensure the next generation of the man or the property of the man acquired through marriage. The indigenous women were forced to accept the sexual division of labor and the Western concept of womanhood. Only men were hired by the Spanish as laborers, and the women were systematically removed from the labor force and took on strictly unpaid domestic roles through aggressive Catholic indoctrination. They were forced to assume the role of the Meek Maria Clara. The powerful wails and incantations of the Lands were violently reduced To inaudible mumblings to the Virgin Mary, who every woman must emulate or else live and then die in shame. To the colonizers, women just like our land are there to be raped, conquered, and owned. This tragic story is the story of Sisa in Jose Rizal's Noli, Metangere. She symbolized the motherland who was abused and raped by her colonizers and has gone desperate and crazy, wandering the streets and calling on her children Crispin and Basilio. Juli, another character in the uh, novel, she's Basilio's sweetheart, she was forced to submit herself to a friar in order to gain freedom for him. Than 300 years of rape and plunder by the Spaniards. The Filipino women, inspired by their babaylan ancestors, reclaimed their place in history and fought alongside with men. We have Gabriela Sila, Gregoria de Jesus, Teresa Magbanua, and the only female general of the Katipunan who is from Laguna. Her name is Agueda Kahabagan. All these women were branded as witches or crazies, just like how Joan of Arc was portrayed. During the Film War, from 1899 to 1902, many Filipino women were raped and tortured by American soldiers for information on the whereabouts of the insurgents. After the war, then followed the thorough and intensive miseducation of the Filipino women, To make them much more like the Stepford Wives, modern and meek, then came along the concept of a loose woman, meaning a woman who refused to be tied or boxed to any social norms or conventions and is therefore a dirty woman. Then came the Japanese, the Japanese occupation which left thousands of Filipina women who were raped and were used as sex slaves by the Japanese, uh, which until now, the Japanese government is refusing to acknowledge that terrible crimes have been committed by uh, the Japanese Imperial Army against the women in the Philippines. But the Filipino women during the Japanese occupation rose again under the leadership of the many Coronation Chivas, or Commander Waling-Waling, as she's commonly known, uh, she's from Panay and Remedios Paraiso, who is from Pampanga, also known as Commander Liwayway, who boldly said that she was fighting for her right to be herself and she became notorious for her red lipstick and par excellence sniping skills. I had the honor of uh, speaking with uh, Lumad babaylan in 2015. She said to me, If you listen closely to the gushing of the river and the howls of the wind in the Pantaron Range, you would hear the rallying chants of the spirits of our babaylans, beckoning her children to wield weapons and resistance against those who want to own the land that belongs to no one but the future generation. Living in this tumultuous time, we are very fortunate that we are witnessing the rise of the new babay lands. We can now again hear their howls and wails. After so many decades of plunder and rape of our land, our women and children, countless others have heeded the call of the babay lands, going to the direction that she points us to. And that direction is to reclaim our hills and rivers and to heal and liberate our people.
2: I mean mm. especially you know, I really love that part about the Lumad Babaylan, the one mm. yeah. Oh, that was deep.
0: I'm curious so about, about um,
2: um, we should I'm, curious,
0: I'm curious about um who
1: are these rising new Babaylans? Uh, they nakatira sila sa mga kaluluwa natin <laughs> sa atin ang mga babaylan so kaya, every every woman
0: who heeds to the of call us. of the gushing of the river and the house of the wind uh, of the Pantaran Range may be a babaylan
1: yes, those who give themselves to protect the domain Mm-hmm. To preserve the balance. Mm-mm. Those who heal. Those mm-hmm. who wage wars to achieve peace. They are the mm-hmm. lands. Amazing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so kind it, it's
2: kind of connected to, you know, how we discuss about how trauma is inherited, right? Mm. But, the, yes. the, but the spirit of, the fighting spirit of the babaylan is something that we we inherit that's that like positive a good way it's a healing energy it's a way for us to heal from those past trauma that the women that our ancestors had been through in, in a lot of ways so it's passed down to us as well mm. so just, yeah so it might be in our own blood like it's already there it's it's like so deeply embedded yes yeah, kasi yung our land has been colonized, raped and plundered. So, of course, our people will always be fighting. So, yung spirit na yun nasa na atin. So, I think this is like the other side of trauma. You know, it's hmm. the opposite of trauma, of it, the inheritance of trauma. So, we inherit this energy of liberation from oppression. Yes. So, so ang nakikita ko, like, we need to, like, really grab on that and really, you na magiging parang uh inspiration
0: yes yeah. yung
2: pinipino yeah. ng ng masa para sabihin natin y- yung kanlungan natin they fought they fought mm-hmm. para lang magka uh, freedom tayo no even though it's a se- pseudo freedom
3: mm-hmm.
2: still they fought yes I feel like Philippines, Indonesia, like they really so some of Southeast Asian countries, Indonesia and the Philippines really fought for our you know liberation from oppression from colonizers. Talaga we suffered. Ang Malaysia no, they didn't because they you know they they the British did something else to colonize them. Pero yung Dutch and Spain talagang yung 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 methods nila ay very violent no mm-hmm. but Filipinos and Indonesians even you know they fought they died for it
0: and they still do so yes yeah mm-hmm.
2: so maybe this is something that you know like our project could really highlight you know those the babaylan spirit
0: I um, think so too yeah mm-hmm.
2: I think that is crucial Again, our in-house sai or historian, is on fire. Thank you, Emma, for reminding us about the Babaylan and, in general, the fighting spirit of the Filipinas. I'm also reminded of how trauma is inherited and that it is stored in our mind, body, and spirit, and that we pass it on to the next generation, to our children. So having said that, we need to remind ourselves that we also inherit the liberatory practices of our ancestors who fought for our freedom from colonialism. These practices are also stored in our mind, body, and spirit, and that we need to do more lifting of those practices in order for us to be free from the trauma that we experience as an individual and as a community or a nation. And I think the most important question is, what do we want our children or the next generation to inherit?
0: so much Emma for that eye-opening narration of your take about our past and how we must hold on to this knowledge and use it to decidedly fight for and shape a future that we want for ourselves and yes Mira for our children and their children where women are not treated as properties or objects for the pleasure of men and those who are in power where rape culture and sexual violence no longer exists where women share equal status and power with men and are equal partners in our every endeavor for our society. In our next episode, we will continue our discussion about the historical roots of rape culture and sexual violence here in the Philippines by narrowing it down to one particular indigenous group. The Bontoc Igorots of the Northern Philippines, where we will have as our guests, Carla polido Ocampo and Lester Valle, the creators of the award-winning documentary, Walang Rape Sa Bontoc. We will ask them to share with us their views on the different initiatives and struggles against rape culture, as well as the prospects of achieving a rapeless society that was once true for the Bontoc people. We would like to thank Talahiv People's Music for allowing us to use their song, Babay for this episode. To learn more about them and their music, visit their Facebook page, Talahiv People's Music, or be their regular patron at patreon.com Talahiv People's Music and support your group in creating more music reflecting the struggles of the Filipino people. For more information about this episode or about the National Organization of APIs Ending Sexual Violence, please visit our website at www.napisev.org. To listen to our past and future episodes, please subscribe to Kumusta Kumari Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you at our next episode. Keep safe. Bye! This podcast is supported by the Novo Foundation.